Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. We're in the series called Romans, Mercy to All. And when you found Romans chapter 7, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. I'll read aloud. You can read silently. Scripture says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living, but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, if while her husband is living she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who is raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But now... We have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. Father in heaven, I pray that you would bless our understanding of your word and, and even change our hearts this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now the previous chapter, chapter 6, ended with a verse, in verse 23, a very famous verse. We all like this verse. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And, and we know that's a powerful truth because that is an eternal truth. We know that sin pays you in death. But God's grace, which is a free gift, pays you in life. Something else we learned last week when we looked at that verse was that that verse was not actually written to lost people uh, to encourage them to be saved. And we want lost people to be saved. Lost people need to be saved. But that verse was written to save people, to encourage us each day to die to our old sinful way of living and instead to live for God. That verse is really an encouragement to you, Christian, to live for God and not go back to those things that lead to death. Now, it's certainly true that lost people will die a second death at the last judgment. And we absolutely want lost people to receive God's gift of eternal life. But if we don't pay attention to the context of any communication we receive, then we won't understand what the sender meant to say to us. And God is the one who's communicating with us. And he's telling us, don't go back. If you're a believer now, don't go back to that old way of living. Instead, every day... Give yourself as an offering to God and live for Him. And the verses that we just read in Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, they continue the same idea. Every day, we are to say no 
to the power of sin within us, and we're to say yes to the greater power of God within us. What makes the first six verses, really the first three verses of Romans chapter 7, different than what Paul was saying in Romans chapter 6, is simply that Paul uses a different analogy to say the same thing. In Romans 6, Paul used the analogy of slavery and being set free from one type of slavery and now being enslaved to God and His righteousness. In chapter 7, Paul uses the example not of slavery, but of marriage. Now, if you're in a bad marriage, you're already making jokes to yourself. What's the difference between slavery and marriage? You know, and if... if uh, if you pray daily for the sweet angel of death to come and visit you, you may be a redneck in a bad marriage. I don't know. But if you think about it, there is something similar between slavery and marriage. There's a big difference, too. The big difference is love. You don't have to have love to be enslaved. But marriage requires love. So that's the big difference. But the, the one thing that is similar between those two very different institutions, slavery and marriage, is that there is something binding about both. If you are a slave or if you are married, you are bound. You are bound. And it is that binding that Paul wants to tell us about. Martin Luther very famously and uh, use the German phrase to call his wife what we would basically translate as his ball and chain. He was sort of the one to come up with that, but it wasn't a dig at his wife. He wasn't insulting his wife by calling her a ball and chain. He was saying that my wife anchors me to God. If it wasn't for my wife, I would certainly drift away. But, God, but Martin Luther said, because of my wife, she tells me when I'm starting to drift, and she brings me back to where I need to be. And so he said, I, I'm grateful for my wife because she has helped chain me to Christ. Scripture clearly teaches that in marriage, each person is bound to the other. And there is one thing that breaks the bond of marriage, and it's death. Look at verse 1 of chapter 7. Or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. As long as he lives. I mean, this is simple enough to understand. As long as a, as long as a person is alive, the law applies to that person, whatever law that might be. But the law does not apply to people who are dead. And this is true of God's law for marriage. Look at verse 2. It continues this thought. He says, for the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning her husband. Paul essentially says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. There he says, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives. But if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So, 
very clear teaching here. If your spouse dies, you are free to marry someone else. Let me put it a different way. If your spouse dies, you are free to bind yourself to someone else. But as long as your spouse is alive, the bond of marriage should not be broken. Verse 3. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she is not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Again, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. Once he dies, she is free. And the same thing would go for husbands. Here's the principle. Death frees you from the law. Death frees you from a type of bondage. In marriage, if there's love in it, it is a good type of bondage. So death frees the surviving spouse to marry, but this passage really isn't about marriage. It's about us being freed from the law and being bound now to God. Look at the next verse, verse 4. We read, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. The Bible teaches, especially in the book of Romans, that when Christ died on the cross, you died with him. Remember that old song, Were You There? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when he was raised from the dead? Because the author of that song understood something. We were there. We were there spiritually. You might say, how could I be there? I'm, I'm only 49 years old. You know, this happened 2,000 years ago. I wasn't there. Listen, here's, here's, how it, here's how it happened. When Christ died on the cross, you died with him. And here's how. Your belief, your faith, your faith in the Son of God who died on the cross and who rose from the grave that is a spiritual reality. And that reality exists in a spiritual realm. In this spiritual realm, you, as a believer in the Son of God, you are forever connected to Christ. And that happened the moment that you believed in. You see, when Christ died on the cross, you died with him. When Christ was buried in the tomb, you were buried with him. And when Christ rose from the grave, you rose with him. This happened in a spiritual realm that you and I cannot see with our eyes, that we cannot touch with our hands, but it's real. And because it is real, there are very real-life implications in your life right now. You see, because you died with Christ, 
and you were buried with Christ, you are free from the law. You are as free from the law as a widow is from her dead husband. That's what Paul's saying. You are free from the burden of the law. That's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7. Here's something else. Because you were raised with Christ, you have the resurrection power within you in the spiritual realm to say no to sin. You have the power to reject sin. You have the power to say no to temptation. You didn't used to have that power. Before you believed in Christ, you were carried away by whatever temptation came along, but now you have the power within you through Christ, to say no to that sin. And not only that, but being raised with Christ also means that later on someday, when every one of us is resurrected from the dead, we will not suffer the second death. We will not be cast into the lake of fire at the judgment seat, but rather we will continue to live in glorified bodies with our Lord and Savior forever and ever. And then, you won't have to deal with the power of sin anymore in your life. Because this mortal body that you and I have that gets old, this mortal body that gets gray, this mortal body that gets wounded, this mortal body that gets sick, this mortal body that has sin present within it, tempting us to disobey the one who created this mortal body, this mortal body will be gone forever and you'll be given a brand new body a glorified body, just like the one Jesus received. And we'll live forever with him. And here's the crazy part about all of it. Because you're connected to Christ in the spiritual realm. And because Christ, Jesus Christ, is the Lord over all of the universe over the spiritual realities that we cannot see and over everything physical we can, because He is Lord over it all, there's coming a day when He says that you and I, we get to reign with Him. That's crazy. That's amazing. I don't deserve to reign over anything. But we get to reign with Him. I wonder who's going to reign over Lubbock. I don't know. We get to reign in the new heaven and new earth because we're connected to Jesus in the spiritual realm. If we would only understand that and grasp that, it might really make a difference in how we live our lives. And all of this happens simply because there was a time in our life when we said one thing to Jesus. We said, yes. We said, yes, I believe in you. Yes, I will follow you. Simply by saying yes, simply by having belief, by having faith in Jesus, God says to us, oh man, I've got so much for you that you can't even imagine. Paul, who had been to the third heaven, whatever in the world that means, Paul, who had been to the third heaven, who had seen things through visions or through experiences that we can't even fathom, he said I can't fully explain what we have coming to us. But it's good. 
it's good. And so we have to continue in our belief. You know, it didn't used to be this way in each of our lives. There was a time in our past when we didn't believe in Christ for each one of us. Verse 5, Scripture says, For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. Paul reminds us here of something he taught us earlier in the book of Romans, and it's namely this, that sin, it is a powerful force within us. It's a powerful force within us. And when God gave us, when God gave humanity the Ten Commandments, when God gave Moses around 1446 B.C., the Ten Commandments, when that happened, did that stop humanity from sinning? No. In fact, we discovered all the ways that we were sinning. In fact, it sort of made us want to keep on sinning. It's like the story of the grandpa who had his grandkids over and he, and he told them, now I'm going to let you, you kids play out in, in the backyard, but you can do anything you want out there. But I'm going to ask you, don't do one thing. Don't spit in my garden. Don't spit in my garden, okay? Okay, grandpa. So he goes inside, watches from the kitchen window. It took about two seconds before they were spitting in Grandpa's garden. The law is not unholy. The law is holy, but the law spoken to an unholy heart, it can even uh, arouse us to do that, which is wrong. And Paul is mentioning that in verse 5. You see, prior to coming to faith in Jesus Christ, your sinful passions that were within you were leading you to do unrighteous things. And you would have paid for those unrighteous things in death. Not only in this life, but at the second death. At the lake of fire. But if you're a believer, that's the way it used to be for you. It's not that way anymore. Because you don't have to pay for your unrighteousness. We have a friend who paid on our behalf. We have a friend in Jesus who paid for our wickedness on the cross. Verse 6, Paul says, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in oldness of the letter. See, in marriage, when a... When a person dies, the surviving spouse is free. But in the spiritual realm, when someone dies with Christ, the one who dies with Christ becomes free. We used to be bound by the Ten Commandments, and that just resulted in more sin and death, but now we're free to serve God. Now we're free to engage in things that result in righteousness, to bear fruit for eternal life. And all of this happens, Paul says in verse 6, in newness of the Spirit. Up to this point in the book of Romans, Paul hasn't mentioned the Holy Spirit very much. That's about to change. 
because it is through the work of the Holy Spirit in us that we can live for God. Today, you can be free. Can you be free from the presence of sin in your life? No. Sin's here. Sin is within you. Sin is all around you. You live in an environment of sin, and you have a mortal body that, that wants to sin. Okay, so here in this life, I'm not going to sell you something that's not true. Here in this life, if you give your life and your, your heart to Christ, I'm not telling you that you'll never sin again. I'm not telling you that you'll never be tempted. I'm not telling you that, that sin will no longer be a power within you because it will be tempting you to do what is wrong. But what you will receive is you'll receive a greater power through the Holy Spirit that will enable you to say no to that sin on a daily basis. If you give your life to Christ, you'll have the power to overcome sin. And if you give your life to Christ, you will receive eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. When Christ died on the cross, He paid for our sins, and we are completely forgiven. And when He rose from the grave, He gave us the promise of eternal life. And God always keeps His promises.